Welcome to the Pocket Coven Podcast, where magic meets mental health. I'm Amber Lenore, a witch and licensed psychotherapist. I'm Callie Little, a sex educator and emotional support witch, and we're the coven in your pocket. Hello, and welcome to our Lucid Dreams episode featuring dear Mint Fairy. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about my favorite subject ever. (laughs) I feel like you have so many favorites, but (laughs) I I might be a little bit more well-versed than most of, well, between me and Amber, because I became friends with you because I found your YouTube channel. And for those who have not yet experienced the magic of Mint Fairy, they have over 110,000 subscribers on YouTube. They talk about everything from beginning witchcraft to the fey realm, which we're going to get into in the Patreon bonus content to lucid dreams, herbs, how to do like inexpensive witchcraft. I also really like your, um, your like mint tea episodes where you just talk about kind of like saucy opinions that you have. But anyway, mint is amazing and we're so excited to have them here coming in from uh, the East coast. Did I miss anything? Are there other fun facts about you? (laughs) Oh, they have an, they also have an Etsy shop. They're an herbalist. When they speak, I feel like there's a spell being put on me. That's my two cents. Yes. I do. I do. Uh, we were uh, messaging with Mint yesterday. P.S. We have the creepiest fucking story for you. So if you're on our Patreon, please listen to that. So we're, we're going back and forth with Mint and I'm, and I'm listening to them speak and I'm like, are you Faye though? Like, <laughs> you're so magical, which I am now getting to tell you for the first time on the air. Mint, it's really nice to meet you. You're super fucking cool. And I'm really glad that we get to share magic with you. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, I'm probably blushing a, a million, a million <laughs> beams out into the sun, but thank you so much. I'm really excited. And thank you so much for all the sweet compliments. Ooh. Um, it's not, I mean, it is, I only have compliments for you, but it's not a compliment to name your logistics, your, your like stats. You do have a huge following. People love what you have to say. You also make absolutely beautiful videos like the editing. I just can't even imagine that I would break my computer. Um, and you make beautiful herbs. Like I have a tea that you made for me and bath salts and like a pillow spray. You and I have exchanged very cute mail packages. Magical being. Aw, witch friends. Witch friends. <laughs> also, all three of us have Irish ancestry, which is very special, yeah? yeah. Mint, are you on 23andMe? Can I find out if we're also cousins? I'm not on 23andMe. I you know, I would love to do one of those, like, full ancestry Johns. I did one a while ago for college so that I could get, you know, some, like, grant money or some, like, extra money, you know, for being Native and stuff like that. But I haven't done, like, a full get all of my, get all of my, my uh, eggs in a basket type of thing. And I'd love to. I think it'd be really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's definitely so a trip for sure. Yeah, that's how Amber and I found out after 10 years of friendship that we're literally cousins. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we just found that out in like November. Yeah, wow. November. Yeah, just a few months ago. It was kind of mind-blowing. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. But anyway, anyway, lucid dreams. Uh, I'm going to let you start off with the story, Mint. Uh, you have had such an interesting like life experience with lucid dreaming. How did you get started with it? Oh my goodness. Okay. So I did, I did make a video about this and people were like bugging out. But, um, so when I was a child, a very young child, um, starting, I guess at about age four, I started having terrible night terrors like terrible and like you know you have nightmares where things are scary and maybe like you're lost and you know you're a kid but I had these dreams where 
these beings would be um, terrorizing a town. So I would be shopping with my parents in this cute little town, you know, like a little cobblestone town or whatever. And at a certain time, as soon as the sun got low enough, um, everyone would just go into their buildings, their doors would shut, the windows were shut. No one on the streets. My parents were gone. I'm just standing alone in this town, like, hey, what's going on? And, um, you know, you would hear this eerie music, and then around a corner would come this really creepy-looking parade with just different types of beings walking in this parade, and they were dressed in their outfits, and, you know, they were singing, and some of them were crooning, there were instruments playing offbeat, and they just were terrifying-looking. They had these, you know, elongated limbs and, you know, like, huge snouts and they all had a very different appearance and leading this whole group was just this, this little you know creepy um like hob type of character and it was, it was scary like to a child and even to me like, as an adult it would scare me because they looked so bizarre and they would just start marching around the corner and just the fact that everyone else was gone you know was terrifying and then they would see me they would notice that I saw them and then they would just start coming toward me, you know, and it was terrifying. I would wake up and all of it would still be there. So I would wake up, you know, in my room and I could still see them in my room, standing around my room, you know, leaning over me, hovering over me. My room was completely filled with these creatures. And so I'd get up and I'd bust open my doors. I had two doors that opened out and I'd bust open my doors and I'd run through the hallway, and even in the hallway, it was filled, filled with creatures, just like hanging from the ceiling, walking on the floors everywhere. And I would run to my parents' room, and I would dive into their bed. And that was like every night, big time. <laughs> How did that affect you emotionally as a child? Because I imagine it had an impact on your waking life, too. For sure, yeah. Um, I was always terrified to go to sleep. I was terrified of being tired because I knew that that was the world that I was heading into. And um, I would feel like I could hear them sometimes during the day, or I would just feel that eerie feeling of, you know, if I felt started to feel tired, you know, this is where you were going, like this is where it was heading, and it was just awful. It was awful. And so my parents decided that I should see someone about it because it was just it was just too much and it was messing up all of our sleep schedules because it happened so often. And I would just literally dive from, I would open their door and dive from that point to my dad catching me at one point, you know, he started catching me in the air and, and landing me on the bed so that I wouldn't hurt them <laughs> on the bed. I could feel them like grabbing at my legs and stuff as I was running. It was scary. And so I saw, um, sort of like a counselor and you know we all talked about it together and I would talk about it by myself and I don't remember it as much I'm so young but I I remember them saying to me you need to take control of this you need to tell them that you aren't afraid of them you need to get rid of this fear because you keep having this dream and which is a really interesting thing to say to a child you know you keep having this dream you know they're not real is usually what they'll say that's not real it's just a dream don't worry about it but this this man was like you have to tell them that you're not afraid of them. Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I do that? I'm literally asleep. Like, how do I do that? And so I practiced and I would practice doing it during my waking life. And I practiced just all the time with saying, I don't like this. This is going to change, you know, and it definitely gave me a very assertive personality at a young age. (laughs) You know, I don't like this. This is not something that I'm going to deal with. So this is going to change and I'm going to change it. And so I just had to continue practicing doing that and talking about it you know, and like writing about it or drawing it out, you know, just keeping it sort of, um, present in my mind so that I would remember that when I went to sleep, that this is the world that I'm entering into, but I am still myself and I can still take control of what's happening because this is my world. Anything that happens in my head is something that I can take care of. So I'm going to do it. And so after a while, you know, I would enter this world the lights would go out, you know, I would still get scared. It took me a long time to be able to do it. You know, it took me a couple of years to be able to, to, to see the sun going down, see the people going into their homes, watch this parade come around the corner and not just like, you know, like want to pass out or cry or run. But at a certain point I, I said, okay, um, I'm, I can't really tell them to go away, but I, I can join them. I can become one of them. And so that's what I did. So they would come around the corner and, you know, I recognized that they could use one more person. And so I twisted my body into a ghost somehow, you know, I would just like kind of, you know, when you dive into a swimming pool, I, I dove into the air 
and it, through the air, I transformed into sort of like a, a wispy, ghostly figure, and I, I ended up leading the parade. And instead of being afraid of trying to sun went down, I would turn into my twisty ghost figure, and I would lead the parade. And, and once we started doing that, once I started doing that, I felt empowered. And, like, they weren't actually scary to me. They weren't trying to get me. They just looked very different, and they looked like they were scary. But they were just, um, they were just odd-looking people. And I could be a part of their fun, crazy circus and scare everyone else. And that was, it became really fun for me. And so that became kind of a, kind of a, um, what I did. I would join their parade and I would scare the little the ladies and the children and, you know, they would freak out and it would be funny to me. And that's how I decided, that's how I started lucid dreaming was by changing who I was in the scenario and then changing how it affected me and how I could affect the world. And I became obsessed with it because it was so real and so exciting and so fun. I could do literally anything. So that's all I wanted to do was dream. I wanted to keep practicing, creating this world for myself. That is such a wonderful example of how magic and therapy are the same thing or mm-hmm. that therapy is a form of magic, right? Oh, sure. I love this. I love this story because like when I'm working with kids, like, yeah, no, you sort of, you have to get in their world with them. You don't tell them that what they're experiencing isn't true. You don't do that. That's not helpful. It doesn't heal. It doesn't integrate at all. I'm so glad that you had an adult that was like, hey, you need to like, take this seriously and kind of say yes to it mm-hmm. instead of saying no to it. Cause it's not going to make it go away. Just like trauma. I'm so excited. I'm all bubbly. It's an <laughs> amazing story. Yeah. Also, yeah, I'll never forget it. It, it kind of reflects exactly what Amber was complimenting you as before. Like you are Faye. You, you just transformed <laughs> into this <laughs> ghostly spirit (laughs) being I I think that you have your whole life really learned how to like walk between worlds but you also uh, from what I understand so please correct me if I'm wrong you also identify with like a lot of intuitive abilities and awarenesses that I think a lot of folks don't necessarily have yeah absolutely absolutely um because of that experience, I, I wanted to explore different types of worlds and different types of uh, energies and different types of beings. Because if I could somehow cook up this incredible world with these, these like different types of, of like people, different types of beings, like what other things are out there? Like what other things will I notice? What things can I see? And why, when I opened my eyes from the dream, did I continue to see them? Like, why were they always there? You know, and it, it definitely led to lots of therapy. You know, my parents were like, uh, you shouldn't see anything. <laughs> you know, So I went to all kinds of, I went to all kinds of um, psychologists and psychiatrists as well. And even ended up medicated for quite a bit of, of uh, my youth because of it. But um, I, I began to recognize that this wasn't something that was affecting my everyday life in a way that I felt like I didn't know what reality was. Like I knew what world I was in at all times. And I knew that there were other things that were out there that I could explore and I was able to explore. And so I, you know, I wanted to do that. I decided to do that. And so I became obsessed with studying about the little people and, you know, the shadow people and the people, um, the, the hill folk, like anyone or any, any being that was, on another plane that existed just outside of ours. I was super interested in finding out more about that folklore and more about um, like how you're able to see these types of things. And it turns out that that wonderful state between sleeping and waking is the perfect time to have this kind of visual and this kind of communication. And so, like I said, it just made me so obsessed with dream work. I, just, I loved it because it opened up so many possibilities. So that liminal space is like where it is more accessible for us to interact with them because they're on that plane. Is that the idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And cool. the in-between, that's, that's something that people often say. The in-between is when you can see the she in between spaces. So um, in between night and day, you know, when the sun is just coming up and you can still see night on one side, but you, the sun is coming up on the other side, then is when things are kind of in a, an interesting flux where things are 
easier to be seen and things are easier to be heard. You have a different kind of a spiritual connection then. Same thing when the sun is going down, you know, even in between spaces so far as to like in between doorways or if you have um, a stone that has a small hole in it and you look in that stone, in between that tiny space, you can see so much more than what you can see with your naked eye because our mind continues to create human experiences for us when we trust it. It will create, it will like, you know, it will uh, logic away any kind of magical otherworldly thing that we see. It'll say, oh, that's just a, a pole. Oh, that's just a so-and-so. But in these in-between spaces, your mind like kind of takes a rest and, and you get to have that experience of seeing things for what they are or what they could be. Oh, that's so fucking cool. I'm excited about like 10 things you just said. I know, right? Yeah. My brain's like, what thread are we going to pick up? We love all these threads. It's true. It's true. I I feel like the in-between space that you're describing, it's kind of like the um, the soft focus. You know, I there was a type of meditation that I studied for a very short period of time, like to say study is even an overstatement. Um, but they taught open eye meditation and how to just relax your eyes so that you're not, you're not looking at anything. It seems like, I feel like the very few times I've been able to achieve that in-between space where I am going into sleep with awareness, it has felt similar to that. You're like softening your consciousness. Um, but I realized as you're telling this beautiful story, we haven't actually given any definition. So inevitably there's at least one person, if not many who are like, so what the fuck is a lucid dream? So Mint, <laughs> for those who don't know, could you tell us the definition of a lucid dream. And also you mentioned one of our favorite words that we have yet to get into here on the podcast. You mentioned the she. So could you tell us the definition of both of those things and probably give a spelling for the she, if you don't mind? Sure. Oh, the she, yes. S-I-D-H-E. It's a very interesting uh, spelling. It is uh, Irish spelling. Uh, lucid dreaming is when you go into a dream state aware of the fact that you are asleep and that this is a dream state. So a lot of times when people fall asleep in, in dream, you have dreams that seem like regular life. So you do regular things. You drive a car, you drink water, you know, you see your friends, you maybe even go to work and you wake up and you're, and you're like, huh, you know, that was interesting. Um, and then you go about your day. But when you're lucid dreaming, you enter this dream state saying, I'm asleep right now. I'm in my bed, but I am having this dream. And when you're lucid, uh, a lot of the time you have the power to manipulate your dream setting and um, anything that happens there. So it's an awareness of being asleep and in a dream, being completely conscious in your dream and being able to manipulate your dream um, just by expressing your will upon it, which is just such a fun it's such a fun thing to be able to do and it is very difficult sometimes to to be aware of yourself when you're dreaming because if you do have you know your mind your mind kind of like puts you into the state of of rest so you're resting you're relaxing and you're not acting out anything in your dream so you don't even know what's happening you're just like lying in bed and and you think that everything that's happening in your dream is real but when you're lucid you're like oh I'm dreaming dope. Now I can, you know, go to Hogwarts or wherever else you want to do or whatever, whatever, you know, you decide is exciting for you at that time. And it's extremely fun. So fun to do. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's, it's like, it gets me giddy when I think about it. I'm like, yeah, it's so fun. There's so many things that you can do. You can build worlds. You can build houses. There are so many different things that you can do when you're, when you're dreaming. And the she, uh, the hidden folk are um, what people also call the fae or fairies. And not, of course, not the fairies that people often think of when you hear the word fairy in, in life. You think of Tinkerbell or you think of like the sugar plum fairies or sweet little beings that go around like making flowers grow and smiling and eating out of acorns. But um, a realm of, of beings that are older than everything, older than humans, older than everything in that that ruled this world and lived on this world and had a completely different idea of what life 
is um, different set of morals, different set of goals, like just an entirely different race that has a power that is ancient and that has been been you know worshipped and, and celebrated and people have been interested in for so very long, so very long. But they mm-hmm. have um, you know lost a lot of their history and a lot of the traditions that people celebrate because uh, people don't believe people don't believe in anymore. And so it's this great this great bit of uh, mythology or this great bit of uh, history that you can study that will lead you to the true meaning of the fairy. We're going to have to have an episode about that and bring you back on because I already, I'm like, okay, and now let's make this a double feature. I just right? want to get into all of the things. I know. <laughs> it, it, I Like a lot of what's coming up for me is like two things. One, I'm thinking of like thin places, like different areas in Ireland and Scotland where you're supposed to be able to access the she more easily and how um, the, the lucid dream space is a thin space. That's why we're able to access those parts. So just kind of noticing the similarities between like the astral plane and then the physical plane. It's cool how they mirror each other. The other thing that is coming up is the saying yes, saying yes to it, right? I've heard that being talked about recently on just a few different platforms, Instagram, um, a few podcasts I listen to, in order to access intuition when an impulse or a thought or a vision comes up, you say yes to it instead of automatically saying no to it. And I love that you were speaking to that and how a lucid dream space is a place where there's like not a no, we just say yes to whatever's happening and then we're able to lean into it and actually feel it. Being open, I think saying yes to it is is a really great way to put it because when you begin to lucid dream, when you begin this journey where you're focused on making this happen for yourself, you do have to ask yourself several times a day, um, am I dreaming? Am I dreaming right now? Because when you're asleep and you continue to ask that question, am I dreaming? Yes. And how can you tell, you know, you can, you can have different ways of, you know, kind of waking yourself up. You can have different ways of, of showing yourself that you are capable of different things in your dreams, like, like holding a stone. I like to go to sleep holding a stone. And if I realize that I'm standing up outside holding the stone, I'm like, Oh, I'm in my bed. This is, I put that stone in my hand in my bed. I'm dreaming. Let's, you know, fly on a rainbow or something like that. So saying yes to, to lucid dreaming is kind of like confirming for yourself all day during the day that yes, I'm going to lucid dream tonight. No, I'm not dreaming right now, but yes, I'm definitely going to be lucid dreaming tonight and just allowing yourself to, to keep it kind of hovering in your mind all day so that when you do go to sleep, it's still on your mind. Like, what was I thinking about today all day? Lucid dreaming. Am I dreaming right now? Yes. Yes, I am. Time to, time to do whatever I want. (laughs) Uh, I love that you just, you know, got us rolling into the how-to. So, all right, listeners, I have been, okay, I have not lately been trying to lucid dream, so I guess that would be a lie to say that. But in the winter, I was really, really trying. I was very dedicated. And in my research, I saw that if you keep trying and you haven't achieved anything yet, it's important to take some breaks because if you convince yourself that it's impossible, then it won't be possible because all of this is happening in your own brain. Amber, what is, what is that called in psychology terms? What is that confirmation bias or something? Sure. Yeah. Confirmation bias, um, which is, almost always framed negatively, uh, projection, projective identification. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of, uh, terms for it, but saying yes to something makes it more real, concretizing it through the physical makes it more real, but essentially we have the ability to make something real because we believe it. Right. Um, I guess it's kind of like the opposite of the law or it is the law of attraction. What we, really believe is true is what we make our reality. And I say that with a big, big caveat, like clearly none of us are like, you know what I want to be broke. You know what I want to be? Well, oppressed. I mean, that's, that's part of what's complicated is that there's not just one part of us. 
mm-hmm. there's a lot of parts of us and and a lot of them have needs that don't align they have beliefs that don't align they have core beliefs there's a part of us that can believe in our potential to be successful and there can be four other parts that don't and they mm-hmm. win out right that's why i am always concentrated on parts work is because human brains and human spirits are so dynamic right and it's not like we are the only being in our field of consciousness. We are in a world that has a collective consciousness and we're also in a society that has general agreements. Like a good example is money doesn't actually mean anything. We just all agree that it does. So there are a lot of things that go into the law of attraction. I just would not want to be one of those white girls that's like, if you believe in abundance, you can be a millionaire. So... No, (laughs) no, probably not. No, no, no. You can. Yeah. It's definitely more complicated than like, you just have the power to make things how you want them to be. And also you do have the power to make things how you want them to be. The question is how can that be possible for you? What kind of care do you need? What kind of context, what kind of support? We can't really do that alone, but also, we do that alone, right? Everything is important. Mm-hmm. Nothing is important. <laughs> Optimistic exactly. nihilism. Yeah. So when things, you know, take a long time, when it takes a long time to learn a new really psychological skill, because lucid dreaming is a skill and it takes a lot of practice. So as I was like very dedicated, you know, I was gathering like crystals and teas and reading books and I was dream journaling and I was talking to you, Mint, about my challenges with it. I was watching all the YouTube videos, doing all the reality checks, which you talked a little bit about in the first part of the episode where you're looking around and you're saying, is this a dream? Um, The common one is to try to push your fingers through your palm. And it wasn't working. So I've been on a few months of a break because I, I don't want to be muddying the waters. I want to believe that I can fully lucid dream. And I know I can because I've had like one and a half lucid dreams. <laughs> um, I had one really clear part of a lucid dream when I was in my early twenties. And it was the first night that I slept on this really uncomfortable bed that I had. I had a futon mattress on the floor of this hippie commune that I lived in for a few months. And because I was so aware of my body being pressed into the floor, I, I think that that is what caused me to stay aware in my dream. And when I realized I was asleep, I thought, oh my God, I I can fly. And I did. And then as soon as I was like spiraling into the sky, my consciousness was like, and now we're asleep. So that is the clearest one. And then I did have one that I can't even remember at this point during the time when I was trying to get to the lucid point. And it was when I stayed really aware of my body's pressure against my bed. And I think you had told me to go to sleep with a stone in my hand. And so it was that time that I had a little bit of awareness in the in-between. So as I go back into lucid dream work, which I think I want to start doing with springtime. That feels like a good time, like of awakening my consciousness. I would love to know, I mean, Amber, you've got the Jungian psychology interest and knowledge, (laughs) and then Mint is a seasoned dream walker. So please tell me this lucid dream baby, how am I going to do it? How do I do it? <laughs> so first, first, can I? I want to tell uh, Callie and Mint a, a lucid dream that I had recently that I cannot, I cannot believe I didn't tell Callie because it's really funny, and that'll give us a second to percolate on how you're going to lucid dream. <laughs> uh, I I do have one method that I'm sure Mint already knows about. That's the one that I know of. But anyway, okay. So I have a dream that, um, in of course it's like one of those dreams where I've woken up and then gone back to sleep. So I'm like kind of awake. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm on a horse riding off into a sunset with a rainbow over it. My mother is 
is at the like the helm, the head of the horse, and she's gallop <laughs> the, the helm of the horse, and she's galloping us into the sunset, and I'm holding another tiny baby horse. <laughs> <laughs> My mom loves horses and Callie thinks it's really hilarious. And also, <laughs> and I, I was lucid though. I was like, but I was going along with it. I was freaked out and I was like, this is fucking weird. And my mom was like, we got this. Here we go. And then I woke up. Anyway, um, that's, I've had a good number of lucid dreams lately, which is very strange. Seriously, I can't wait for the Patreon content. Ah, it's so I fresh. Know. Oh God, there's so much to talk about. Um, Okay, so this is the only method that I know of that I want to try. So maybe you can give some feedback and maybe this would be good for Callie. It's the one where you set an alarm uh, for about eight after eight hours after and then you turn off the alarm and then you put your hand by your side and you tap and you keep your uh, finger moving because it sort of keeps your brain awake uh, or at least one part of your brain. But then you fall back to sleep and then you're sort of in the liminal space have you tried that? Do you know about this one? I'm sure you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Lots of ones where you set an alarm at a certain time, like four hours in or something like that, and you wake up and you do something small or you change position or you, you know, like consciously um, change something about your sleeping space. And then you, yeah, you'll, you'll do a little bit of motion as you're falling asleep. And then, you know, once you're there, once you're in the in-between state, you're like, okay, now I'm like walking into the dream. Like you can feel yourself you know, kind of doing that the sleep jerk, you know, you finally get there and you do the little sleep jerk. So yeah, that's a, that's a really good method. I think that method is really great for people who are heavy sleepers, which I am not. I think that's one of the things that makes it so easy for me is that I'm an incredibly light sleeper and any kind of sound or smell or like change in temperature will wake me up. And so I think that's something that also makes it so easy for me to to um, dream walk, as you say. <laughs> yeah. But. I, yes, I think that one of my greatest obstacles, and I, I know that I just can't be alone in this, is that when I was a child, I had a terrible time going to sleep. I was very anxious. I would just stay up crying like all night because I was so scared. And I had to learn how to put myself to sleep. And I learned really well. So I can sleep in like any situation. I can sleep in an airport. <laughs> I, I can just go to sleep. And I know that that skill is in opposition of me keeping my consciousness going. So I actually hadn't heard of this tapping method. I like that. I feel like that would help to keep me from slipping fully into that deep, unconsciousness. Mm. So there are a lot of different things that you can do. And there are a lot of practices that are very common, like dream journaling. And of course, mugwort tea is incredible. Mugwort is, it, mugwort is, I stand by it forever. Um, having mugwort tea will definitely give you more vivid dreams for sure. It's wonderful. Um, and there are, like you said, there's the alarm method where you wake yourself up and change your position. There's also the napping method where you take naps during the day, which is like a time usually when it's when you're just a little bit more awake anyway because the sun is out and because there's like activity going on in your home. So that keeps you on a lighter kind of a, a lighter sleep state. But taking like short 30-minute naps um, will often lead to a, like a little bit of, a, of lucidity. Um, I really stand by having uh, like scent memory um, come into play when it comes to lucid dreaming. Like I like to have a pillow spray like to have something that is specific to your bed. So not spending like too much time doing things in your bedroom because then it becomes space for more than one thing aside from sleeping. And then you're thinking about other things aside from dreaming. So like when you lay down in your bed, it should feel like a different experience than anything else that you do during the day. So having some kind of a special scent on your pillow that you will smell when you fall asleep so that if you do still recognize that when you're dreaming, you're like, oh, I'm laying on my pillow. You have scent. That is my pillow scent because I'm dreaming. You know, just having that something that snaps you into that, that mindset is really important. Um, and even having some sort of like different things in the bed with you. Like you said, when you were sleeping on that uncomfortable mattress, just being so um, 
like put out by the things that were in the bed, you know, the feeling of being in that bed led you to a lighter type of sleep. So having a, a lighter sleep is definitely going to help you when you're trying to lose a dream. Um, I do really like the, you know, yeah, the, the checking to checking in with yourself during the day to see if you're dreaming. Am I dreaming? No. Am I dreaming now? No. Just consistently asking that question, I think really helps. And I do like to, I stand by holding something when you're, when you fall asleep, holding on to something and, you know, kind of giving it a squeeze as you're sleeping and then recognizing when you hit that dream, if you're still clutching, if your hand is still like this. Being aware of your surroundings during the day will help you to be aware of your surroundings when you're sleeping as well. So looking around your house and seeing where things are, you know, having an organized space that you look at all the time, seeing where things are on your desk and paying attention to, you know, the placement of like your calculator or like whatever it is, pencils on your desk will help you to do that as well when you're sleeping. And when something is wrong, something is out of place, you can recognize that and say, that's weird. That's not supposed to be there. Why is that not there? Oh, I'm dreaming. Just having little things about your house that are constant, having things that you notice during the day that are constant will help you to remember whether or not they're supposed to be there where they are in your dream. Um, (laughs) nice yeah 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 there are and i think having a night routine also is very important for lucid dreaming having a specific night routine that leads your mind into that thought okay now we're going to bed so it gets ready it starts to like kind of soften itself on its own and your body starts to you know get used to that that memory of going through these specific motions and then you are leading yourself into dreaming, knowing that you've done all these things to prepare for bed. So now you know that you are in bed. So now that you can, you know, snap yourself back into being awake. Um, and sounds. Okay. So <laughs> that sounds like the perfect overlap between, you know, magic. We've got ritual and mental health because you're talking about mental hygiene you know, having, I mean, also spatial hygiene, I guess, as I say, as somebody who's been making content all weekend about tidying my very messy apartment, having carefully curated spaces and how that can support your awareness in all things. And I know that for me and my spouse, we've talked about this a lot. Like when the house gets out of control, we learn how to like shut it out. Kind of like how we shut off from other energies. You know, you just start aggressively ignoring it. Kind of like you're shoving your awareness under the rug and having a beautiful space that you've really curated. You pay a lot more attention to it. You really feel the energy of all the love you've put into that space and you look around and feel really good. So I like the idea of making your bedroom a ritual space for sleep, And sex also, you know, I have Mm -hmm. my bedroom is a walk-in closet. So literally my bed touches every wall. It is just a bed and it is difficult to change the sheets, but we live with that. Um, But we, we decided to put our bed in there instead of the regular bedroom because we want it to be a space for sleeping, for resting, dreaming and being together. I like folding that into dream work. I think that so much of what you described meant, I mean, you've been doing this your whole life. You've been lucid dreaming for 30 years. So I want people to remember when they're listening, like Mint is literally at the master's level of lucid dreaming. (laughs) It is difficult for anyone, including people who can lucid dream on the regular to be able to craft entire worlds. That doesn't mean it's impossible, but you know, that is high level stuff. You can aspire to it, but don't feel like you're a failure just because you can't create a building in your dream. These are skills. It's an awareness. It's a practice. It's a skill. And there are are a lot of ways that you can work on this part of your imagination in the waking world. 
you know, something I've been looking into and practicing here and there. I'm, I'm very inconsistent, but that is neurodivergent <laughs> life. <sighs> is, but I'm consistently inconsistent. It's all about coming back, you know? So you can do active imagination work, which is easily done by having your computer open or a notebook, having a Word document up, having something you can write with, and going into a scenario that you want to work on mentally. Um, This is great for shadow work. And you can just, you know, approach the imaginary person or situation that you want to be working on and write out the experience, direct it as you want, because you're still engaging your mind's eye, you're engaging, accessing those emotions and that energy within yourself. And even if you're not asleep, like it might feel like, oh, it's not as special, it's not as magical, because it's not dream work, it's still imagination work. And imagination is this inseparable force from magic. You know, our imagination is literally our reality. I like to put on music and get really comfy, get nice and weighted, a lot of like pillows and blankets, really comfortable. I'm fed. I'm happy. Nothing's going to distract me and just do active imagination work. And the music is really transporting, right? And after like two or three songs, it feels pretty fucking real, actually. My last one was being this like sphinx-like creature that was diving into the ocean and then diving back out into the air and like grabbing onto craggy rocks and climbing all over the place and encountering another sphinx-like creature and kind of fighting with it and kind of fucking it and kind of, you know, just like interacting with it (laughs) and then going back down into the water and becoming a seal. And I did that for about 20 minutes. And after I was done, I was like, I feel altered. That was yeah, I feel like I just had sex. That was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that. There are so many different tools that you could use that help with that as well. I definitely do this often before going to sleep as well. So that's another tip I think is really great. I have a, a Pinterest board that's literally just for lucid dreaming and it has references for me to remember. Um, so if I see them that I know that I'm dreaming, like buildings that I've saved pictures of, um, and like, uh, like roads that I've saved pictures of horses, you know, that I've saved pictures of so that I know if I see that horse. Hey, we're here. Let's, let's jump. I do lots of horse riding in my dreams. And there are these great, um, ambient videos on YouTube that set a really lovely tone for that imagination work as well. Like the, like, um, Renaissance ambiance, you know, you can play them with or without music. I love them without music where it's just like a Renaissance style marketplace and you're just listening to the sounds of a marketplace. People Mm -hmm. like haggling or people like, you know, cheersing or having a cup of tea or you can hear the pouring of the, the water into the cup and just things of that nature. And so it really sparks your imagination. It gives you a little bit more of like a kick in that direction. I absolutely love sleeping to those as well. They really, really help to have those little bits of sound that keep you a little bit awake while you're dreaming. So you can hear these things happening and start to happen in your dream. And you're like, okay, it's like really awesome, positive associations. That's cool. Do you think, do you think that doing those practices in your bed space can help to keep your imagination going when you're in that sleeping space? Like is conditioning yourself in that way probably helpful? For sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that practicing those things in your bed space are great because then you have that association of, you know, spending time creating these incredible worlds and then you can go back, go into your dream space and do the same exact thing. You know, just mm-hmm. continuing that kind of, uh, that flow in your mind of just being wild and putting these incredibly bizarre and interesting scenarios into your mind. And then they can also transfer into your subconscious, which is super fun as well. <laughs> so, so Mint, I'm really curious what lucid dreaming looks like in your life as a practice. Is it a practice? Are you accessing it consistently? And if so, how is that impacting you? You know, like what does that do for you in your life? So yeah, lucid dreaming for me, yeah, and I was talking about how it doesn't always, it's not always consistent. And when I do have a lot going on in my life, it's more difficult to do. Um, when there's a lot weighing on your mind, it's just a lot harder to, to be in that lucid space. 
but when it's good, it's so good. And there is a lot of, I have a lot of goals that I want to achieve while I'm uh, dreaming. Um, there are places that I want to visit. There are family members that I want to see. And I think that that is such a huge bonus to dream work is being able to see family members and people who you've lost or people who you um, want to have a conversation with in your dream, especially when we're dealing with um, trauma from that loss or trauma from your childhood, being able to see a person and choose that moment in your dream and choose what you want to say to them is like, it's it's amazing. And being able to sort of go into this dream state where we're at my grandma's house. And it's something that I do almost every lucid dream. Go to grandma's house. I just end up there. I don't usually like choose to go there. I kind of just end up there, but I'm aware of the fact that I'm dreaming and I'm there and lots of family members are there. They're like milling around, talking, laughing, there's food cooking, and we're just all getting ready to have this incredible feast. And it's just, you know, so much love in the room and just, I can see everyone. And it's just, it's nice to have that feeling of being surrounded by family and being able to to be present with them, even though they're not here, they know they're no longer here and being able to just have those, those moments of, of like calm eating and like friendship and love while you're asleep reminds me so much of how precious all of my moments are when I'm awake. You know, it reminds me of the fact that I have so many people to be grateful for and so many things that I can do and so many wonderful experiences that I can have. And just, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to like see my grandfather and like my mom. It's just, it's, it's incredible. And it's, I think it's definitely like a huge goal when it comes to lucid dreaming for a lot of people is to be able to see people that they don't think they'd ever be able to see again. And so that's a one part of what I, what I do like normally in a lucid dream, like, I see family, which is really nice. It's a beautiful experience. However, I do also really like to, to travel. I like to fly. I like to visit museums. I like to visit other countries. And I like to, um, I like to do lots of really interesting, like ancestral work where I visit buildings that I feel were a part of my, my life or a part of my lineage. And I like to see what people are there. I like to pay attention to the setting and like take those kinds of mental notes that when I wake up, I can like go out into the world and get on my Google box and see if any of those things are real or, you know, check, like back check my dreams and stuff like that. Um, I like doing like frivolous, like silly things, like just changing my outfit, you know, and just seeing how, what kind of things I can come up with. And I, I like to, um, I like to do, I like to fly a lot. I do fly an awful lot. I, I like to build cities. There are cities and there are towns and there are buildings that I've built years ago, like 15 years ago that still stand in my dream world. They're still there. And even if the, the place has changed a bit, I can still recognize these places and go there and, and see these things that I feel. It's, it's a very interesting kind of experience and being able to assert yourself and assert your, your will on a dream is very empowering. And it's something that I think reminds me during the day that you can do the same thing. You can always, you know, speak your mind and say what you need to say. You can always, um, make the effort to change what you can change, you know, and recognize those things. And so in a dream, I, I, I love to practice those sorts of things. And I love to, I love to say like, no, I'm not, I don't like this. And then change it. (laughs) Something that I do to this day, like, no, that's, I don't like that. You know, if a dream starts to take that creepy turn, which, you know, happens very often when I'm, you know, having a good time and I'm often at theme parks in my dream because that's what I like to do. I go to theme parks and, you know, there's one ride that just, it's, the wrong one. Everyone wants to get on it and you get close to it and it, it, the, the lighting changes and, you know, the sounds start to change. And I'm like, no, I'm not getting on that ride because it's scary. And then you just make the decision to go ahead and change that. You can get on if you want, but I would rather not, you know, there are just so just infinite amount of things that you can do in, in a lucid dream. There's every possibility. Do you have any favorite dreams, like ones that you just uh, will never forget? Yeah, I, yes. 
Okay, so there's this one I think about it all the time, where I I uh, I was flying and I do often fly over trees. I like to fly over trees and I like to like, land on different trees and hop to another tree and just um, I like to change the seasons and, and watch the trees kind of bloom and blossom and then turn colors and then change. I like to manipulate that. And I was doing that and um, two other like witches just boom, boom, flew by. And I was like, Ooh, what, what? And so I, what, you know, I go to follow them. And as soon as I go to follow them, the scene changes and we're flying together. The three of us with like these matching outfits, you know, um, on brooms over the water, like over dark water. And it's like a, a yacht going by and we're just like flying, you know, like twisting and freaking the people out on the yacht and just laughing. And it was such a joyful dream, this wonderful sort of freedom and the feeling of sisterhood, which is something that I often crave, this feeling of just having these two women who, like, we were, like, we were best friends. We were, like, so close. Like, no matter what happened to any of us, we were always going to be the three of us. And it was such a wonderful feeling. And we're flying around and, you know, we're, like, zooming over the water. And then we, we get to this beautiful, tall building. And it's dark. It's night. And there's a banquet happening inside the building. We can see and we're above the building. And we all three of us take turns shooting down the, uh, the fireplace. And by the time we hit the bottom of the fireplace, we had changed our outfits into these beautiful gowns, you know, some sort of charity event that we're going to. And we all shot down the fireplace and we stood in our gowns and we looked at each other and we, you know, appraised each other. And we were like, Oh yeah, we look great, you know? And then we decided to head into the ball. And that, that was the whole dream. And that was years ago. I had that dream. But I'll never forget it because it was this feeling of being a part of this incredible little unit where we were so synchronized. And, you know, it was like this this feeling of being more powerful together and knowing that, you know, we could just change and do whatever we wanted to and, and nothing else bothered us. And we were just like, you know we were blissful. It was a, such a blissful dream. And it was, it was just really nice. And I love that dream. I love all, all the details. I triple goddess symbolism there. Yeah. Yeah, very, for sure. Very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. And I have a kind I have so many that are just, they're so good. One that I tell all of the time. So if, if people are listening, they're like, oh, this is that story that Mint tells all the time. But I love it because it's my favorite. Um, I have this cabin that I had built for myself in the woods, year, probably like in my late teens. Um, and this it was a part of this like dream kind of setting that I had visited loads of times where, like I said, I would change the, the season so that the trees would change, you know, at my whim. And there were three trees, again, three, there were three trees and I built a cottage right between them and I lived there and that's where I would go, you know, in between dreams to just sort of like, you know, regroup or to like, once the dream ended, I would, I would try to make sure that I made it back there so I could continue dreaming instead of waking up, um, just kind of like a, um, a base, so to speak. And, uh, I had stopped dreaming of that place for a couple of years, like maybe five years, um, and I went back there and it was broken down and the roof was gone. It was just like, you know, like someone had gone in and like tore it apart, tore everything apart and, and had broken into my things and stolen all my things. And like the floor was on the, the floor was on the door. The door was on the floor. It was just, it was a wreck. It was awful. And I was so, I was so like heartbroken by that because this was my space. This was my, my little hut. And I didn't think that anyone else knew about it. Also, like, who's coming into my dream and messing up my little dream hut? Like, I was super upset. And so, and I started walking out of the forest. I noticed that there had been this new town that was built that I didn't build. And it was just there. And people were having some kind of a fair in the middle of the, you know, they had cut down these trees and they were having a fair, some kind of fun little community thing. The kids were eating ice cream. And I walked through the field, like, just like, in, enraged like my hair was like blowing and I was super angry because who who you know had this idea that they can walk into my dream and just take apart my my home and I walked through it and they all looked at me you know and they're all like oh no it's her like it's that girl and I was like who do you think you are this is my dream this is my entire world like I own all of you none of you would be here without me you think you can come in and take my cabin and, and take it apart 
Like I am this world for you. And so I, I turned my hand upside down and I started doing this like interesting little, this sort of thing and flower petals started falling out of my hand. They were like, um, Lily of the Valley, like just started dropping out of my hands and I walked into the square and I'm still yelling at them, whatever I was saying. And I'm walking in the square. And as I dropped the petals, my, my cabin started to, to rise up from the ground. And it was, you know, I'm still walking and it's storming and the children are crying and, and, and moms are like clutching their, their pearls. And I'm just like yelling and building my cabin back up. And then I just like raise up my arms and the trees shoot out of the ground and their fair is destroyed <laughs> and my cabin is there. And I'm like, okay. And then that was it. And then I woke up and I was like, that's right. How dare you? And that's one of my absolute favorite dreams because it's about like taking, taking back control taking back control over those spaces where someone thought they could move in and just um, create their own version of who you are. And that's like, that's incorrect. I'm sorry. I will not allow this. Who do you think you are? Bring myself back up. (laughs) So you're just saying that you do all your self work on the astral plane. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. I am so here for that. <laughs> Fuck yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's so wonderful. That's beautiful. I love that dream. My one of my favorite dreams of all time. Just one of my absolute favorite dreams because it was just so powerful. And just having that, like, I'll never forget just the feeling of my skin touching my palm and then feeling this like sort of opening. It wasn't like bloody or anything. It was just like an opening in my hand where there was a portal that just let these flowers drop from my hand and they began to build themselves up into like, into, into like hard wooden structures that built my cabin back up right in the middle of their silly little community fair or whatever they were having. (laughs) It just made me so happy. (laughs) I love that. You know, there are so many real life experiences that, we all have that feel like, you know, I've built this really sacred space for myself. And then someone or some ones come in and like really fuck it up. And to reclaim that and be like, no, I make this for myself. And it's up to me whether or not I let you in. That's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big one. That was, that was one that I'll never forget it. You know, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the feeling of, you know, arriving back in to that wooded space and seeing that my home had been torn up. Like it felt so real. Like I was hurt. I was hurt by that because I had done something that I had built that was beautiful. And that was, like you said, it was sacred to me. And like, who, could come into my dream world and do this. Like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Like, no, no, I don't think so. Sorry about your fun day, but like. And where else, and like, where else can we experience that kind of agency but the dream world, right? And, mm-hmm. and what a wonderful thing to practice because the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. So if you can exert agency, practice agency in a dream space, then yeah, that's going to have a big impact. Yeah. Mint, I could listen to you talk about dream work forever. I really hope that at some point you sell classes. I hope that when the pocket coven has inevitably a retreat, you will come and do dream work there. (sighs) Can you tell? uh, I I think we would all love it. I, I want you to be the matron of my dreams, please. Um, can you tell the <laughs> listeners what's going on in your work and where they can find you? Sure. Yeah. So I post YouTube videos as, as much as often, uh, on my channel, it's called mint fairy. Uh, I also post semi regularly on Instagram. Also mint fairy. I'm mint fairy on almost everything. However, on Twitter, follow me on Twitter is just, it's, it's not for magic. Twitter It's literally just for reposting, um, anime and, and silly stuff but you can find me on youtube and on instagram and uh you can also uh 
you can check out my Etsy shop where I sell candles that are curated for your needs. I spell, I sell spell candles, ritual candles, other ritual goods as well. I love to crochet. I sell, um, intention-based crochet items. So say you want a scarf that specifically represents um, the wind element, then I will crochet that for you in a ritual space, which is also very fun. And yeah, that's about it for now. I've got some merch in the works coming soon because I just love creating merch. But yeah, that's, that's about it for now. Wonderful. And I have to say, for those interested if you have an idea for something that you want for yourself or to gift, I have personally commissioned things from Mint. I've also recommended friends who have commissioned special baskets and things. So I recommend if you want some magical goodies to take advantage of Mint's amazing knowledge. And also the packaging is so fucking cute. <laughs> I'm literally pulling up Mint's Etsy right now. I can't wait. It's am- <laughs> And like, honestly, I, as somebody who coaches people in their business, Mint, your shit is so inexpensive. So yeah. cheap. Like if you folks, if you're looking for like a quick little tarot reading or a scarf or herbs, honestly it's underpriced <laughs> but <laughs> i mean i do hear i hear that often but i want i want it to be accessible i i it's love a love that. offering really we love that and you do so much um we're thank you for being on the show and i hope that our listeners give you a visit and a follow and listeners if you have not yet left us a review on apple podcasts please please do so. It helps us a ton. And if you want to hear us talk with Mint about the crazy fae that literally visited us all in our dream on the same night, uh, that'll be the Patreon yeah, content. Yeah, you should subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah. 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 That was wild. Yeah. <sighs> and also... If you join Patreon, you will get the first episode of Self as Myth, where I talk about Medusa. I've been deep into my Medusa research, and I think I have a theory that no one's talked about yet. I think I created a theory about Medusa. I'm very excited. Maybe I didn't, but either way, it's going to be cool. So you should join our Patreon at The Pocket Kevin. It's true. It's the only place you can get the Self as Myth mini podcast, along with journaling prompts and things. And stuff. And stuff. But um bump bump. Thanks, y'all. See you next week. I was really excited. This was actually the very first sponsor that you and I reached out to mm-hmm. because we really wanted to build relationships with actual therapeutic tools into the podcast. One of the biggest struggles I have as a therapist is just wrestling with the inaccessibility of mental health treatment. So because BetterHelp can do therapy from their home and do it remotely, that means that people, you know, they don't have to go anywhere, which can actually be a thing. Like if you don't have a car access, getting to a clinic can actually be difficult. Mm -hmm. So just the convenience of being able to be at home, I think is really important. And then that increases the possibility that people will actually utilize therapy. Yeah. I know that it has felt like a significantly lessened burden for me to be able to do therapy from home just on my phone. And I really hope that the world just gets more comfortable with virtual therapy in general because of where we're at in the world. I agree. And I think it's important that mental health consumers have the ability to have a say in who their provider is. As a therapist, I definitely, you know, I meet a new client and I'm like, well, you know, I don't think we're a good fit. So can I help you find someone who is? Or they tell me I'm not a good fit and that's fine. I think we really need to normalize that. And with BetterHelp, you can change anytime and choose a different provider if they're not a good fit for you. Because likely, you know, you might need to try on, you know, a few different kinds of providers before you find the one that's right for you. Having therapists who are capable of helping me with my specific needs and to say that they offer that worldwide is really cool to me Mm -hmm. really like the better help has financial aid available for people this is a long-term therapeutic process so this isn't 
a crisis line. It's different than that. It is not a self-help line. It's different than that. So it's a therapeutic relationship that needs to build consistently. So that's what you can get. And because BetterHelp is partnering with us, you can go to betterhelp.com slash pocket coven and you can actually get 10% off of your first month. If within that time you decide you don't like your therapist, you can, as Amber said, just easily switch to a different one. It's super accessible and it's betterhelp.com slash pocket coven. That will get you 10% off. It'll get us just a little bit of a kickback. So it's a great way to support the podcast and your well-being at the same time.